So welcome to the next episode of the Tearsheet Podcast. We call this type of episode a deep dive. That's where we speak to a Tearsheet journalist to go a little bit deeper behind uh, the research that went into a recent Tearsheet story. Joining me on the podcast today is Sarah Toth Stubb. She wrote a very interesting article uh, last week uh, called Challenger Banks Aim to Go Big by Going Local. Sarah, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. So I, I thought this was a great story. Uh, not only, you know, the fact that we worked on it together, but I actually think, it, you know, it's, it's one of those ideas that like when we think of challenger banks, you know, we think of the Revoluts and N26 and these guys are, you know, they have aspirations for billions of customers. Um, you found mm-hmm. sort of another subset of banks that have different types of, of aspirations. Can you talk about like sort of what prompted the story? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I just noticed some some news items with the with the growth of challenger banks in Europe and the U.S. and Australia. I noticed that um, there were several of them that seemed to be opening up to serve local or relatively local small and medium businesses, and I thought that was very interesting. Um, especially a, a Scottish banking startup called Albaco, um, based in Scotland, and they're aiming to serve businesses only in Scotland and in the northern part of the U.K. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because in theory, you know, they could easily reach people, people all over the place, but they really, you know, and they're not because it's all, it's all digital. Um, so I just, I thought that was an interesting way to, to look at it. Um, and at the same time, I noticed a few um, news items out of the U.S. about community banks, more, more community banks opening in recent years after not any really opening for, for quite a long time after the uh, financial crisis. So I just wanted to um, see if there was a uh, similarity in that. Um, and it seems like a lot of the things driving the opening of the handful of new community banks in the U.S. was also a desire to serve the local market or to serve a niche market um, because people were feeling that big banks were not were not providing everything that customers needed. And that was, you know, a similar mentality with what we see in, in challenger banks, even those who do want to reach a large and widely geographic audience. So can we talk about maybe, you know, give us some real life examples of some of the companies that you found that um, are, are taking that sort of niche or local focus? Yeah, sure. So I mentioned this Scottish banking startup, Albaco, and they're they're catering to small and medium businesses, or, or they plan to. They actually do not have their, their banking charter yet, but they hope that they're close. Um, small and medium businesses in Scotland and the northern United Kingdom. And the bank will not have branches. Everything will be digital. But, but because they are serving a limited or localized audience, there is the opportunity to meet personally with with someone from Albaco. Um, if, a, if a potential client wants to actually meet face-to-face with someone, they can, also, they can also set that up. So that's sort of how they're combining this sort of old world of banking with the new world of, of digital banking. Um, so yeah, the, and the CEO talked about how they're, they're sort of uh, bringing the best of both worlds together. Um, and then in the U.S., which of course has fewer challenger banks at this point than, than the UK um, for mainly for regulatory reasons. Um, in, in, the, in the US as well, I, I spoke with um, a couple of examples. I spoke with a recently opened Carolina State Bank, which is uh, working to, to serve local businesses. And I guess it's not a challenger bank in the, in the, the uh, most extreme use of that word, it, but it is a new community bank, although it has a strong digital presence. 
and um, you know they know that a lot of their customers may be online only, but they're they're working to to serve small and medium local businesses that they feel their needs are not really being met by the um, by the larger banks that that are in the area. Um, so that's sort of how those are a couple of examples. And then if you even if you look beyond that, to I spoke with a company called Joust. And there, I guess, a more typical example of um, what someone may think of when they think of a digital first challenger bank, because they are online and digital first, and they are looking to serve a global audience, or, or at this time, they're looking to serve a global audience in the future. Right now, their audience is, their users are mainly in the U.S., um, but they're also trying to carve out carve out a niche and, and form personal connections with their their client base, which is mainly freelancers. So they may be looking for a national and even eventually global reach, but they're still sort of viewing it in a in a specific through a specific sort of community lens. That not only are they providing banking services, but they also hope to um, the the CEO who I interviewed, Lamine Zarad. He mentioned that one of the things that they are focusing on is helping these freelancers. We see more and more of them in the economy today, helping them develop their their sense of identity, which is which is part of building a community. And they have some special services for freelancers, including something called Pay Armor, which means that if someone is an established established client with Joust and you know, every month they're getting invoices paid to them for their for their independent contractor work. If one time one of those invoices is late being paid, Joust will take over and actually make the payment, and then you know collect the money later when the when the payment when the late payment eventually arrives. And this just gives you know a sense of security and confidence to people working as freelancers and independent contractors. So that's that's their story. So that's so interesting. Like I understand Joust, um, you know, it's got this niche offering for freelancers. Um, and from a product perspective, they need help getting paid on time. I assume that's, that's a, a big problem for freelancers and solopreneurs. What about on the yeah. community bank side, Sarah? Like um, you, what offerings, if, if a community bank decidedly stays focused on a local, serving a local community, you mentioned, you know, maybe meeting face-to-face is one thing they can offer. Did you, in your research, did you find anything in the product set that they were offering things specific to, the, to, to their local communities through that digital offering? Um, so one of the banks that I spoke with, I believe it was Carolina State Bank, they are offering, um, let me see, I forgot what they call it, but um, these ATM machines, you, these, Standalone yeah, ATM machines, machines that are not yeah. what interactive teller machines where there's video. Yes, interactive. Yes, yes, interactive teller machines. So, so basically, what that does is it allows it allows a client to to speak um, like the way we would speak on FaceTime or or Skype to um, to connect with an actual banker without having to go to the actual branch of the bank. Um, and wait in line. They can. They are able to to use this technology, and and that again goes back to the idea of forming sort of a personal relationship with the banker. Whether that's because they want to make a withdrawal and they want five dollar bills instead of twenty dollar bills, or if it's just to discuss something more complicated, like getting a getting a loan for the business that they've been running or the business they're thinking of starting. Um, and again, the advantage is that the person is local and understands the local community, mm. and you know the banker could have some insight and maybe offer offer some advice, maybe, you know, have some insight into what business they're doing, which could influence the terms of the loan or whatever other financing or thing they're planning. 
So one of the things that, that uh, you know, I appreciate in, in the article that you wrote was like sort of this, this challenge, uh, I'm using challenge incorrectly, but uh, the pressure on the community bank, right? So they're being squeezed by the big nationals um, and they're being squeezed by these new digital banks. Um, what right. are they doing to compete? How are they using technology, I guess, to stay relevant and compete? Um, so, so that's a good, that's a good question. And this is something I was interested in as well. So, so some of them, like the big banks, um, are using technology, you know, obviously offering online banking, ways to check your accounts online, you know, basic things like that. But beyond that, something that I found that was quite interesting was a, a lot of these fintech startups, including Joust, these challenger banks or neo banks, a lot of them actually don't have their own banking charter because that is quite complicated to, to get in the U.S. for regulatory reasons, for logistical reasons, to have the FDIC um, insurance and in bank charter. That, that's a long and difficult process. So what a lot of startups like Joust do is they don't actually obtain that for themselves. What they do is they partner with either, you know, one to a handful of often smaller and often community banks to actually process and hold their their deposits and their accounts so while the user will will be using a platform you know for example the joust platform the actual money will be will be moving along the you know traditional lines of being um, deposited and, and kept in in certified banks many of them been around for for many years so this is a good opportunity for small banks because maybe they don't have the the money to invest in in the the best new technology or the most user-friendly technology but something they can do because they're small and because they're small sometimes that means that they are more nimble and maybe there's less bureaucracy or whatever to, to make changes they're often a good candidate to partner with um a fintech startup to to actually handle the nuts and bolts of the banking sort of the back end of it um, and in fact, there is a Joust also told me that there, there's a platform called Stone Castle, and what they do is is sort of um, disperse the the money that people keep in Joust. They sort of through Stone Castle they disperse that and, and deposit it in, in up to they they told me about 900 small banks across the U.S. So um, yeah, behind some of the biggest names in, in fintech startups, there are these small and local banks that, that, you know, a lot of people may have no idea are actually involved in, in some of the most forward thinking ways of, of finance and banking. That's a really interesting point. And so, and do you see that as sort of a model um, for future collaboration, sort of these ecosystems of, of small community banks partnering with uh, technology firms and, and sort of getting the best of both worlds? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think more and more small banks are doing that. And when I spoke with the CEO of Joust, he, he mentioned that it's almost, you know, it's a, it's a great fit because the, the community banks or small banks or independent banks, you know, it's different than working with um, some of the national giants like Bank of America or something. Now, fintech companies do work for them for sure. But a lot of times because the startup itself is small, it's, it's good to, to pair up um, maybe even with a local bank that's geographically near where the startup is located. So it seems like um, both sides, the startups and the, the small banks themselves, are, are, um, are, are doing this more and more. Sarah, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Okay, thank you for having me.